Well, Brandon, it's really kind of unfair that he cuts my time so short, 30 <laughs> minutes. And y'all thought y'all was just going to get out early today just because Brandon wasn't preaching. Um, <laughs> hey, before I get started, and I told, I told these guys in our prayer group this morning, um, I want to brag on the Lord a little bit. Um, and I won't be long in, in this, but I do want to give him the glory um, on, on you guys. Um, yesterday, as, as most of you may know, um, yesterday morning, or this entire week has been a rough week for my, me and my wife uh, through Monday. We start, so we've got two little girls. We start out Monday uh, with our first oldest little girl got sick, and um, we had to take her to the doctor, and she ended up having hand, foot, and mouth. She was running a temperature. Uh, probably about six to 12 hours after she started seeing symptoms, our second little girl got sick, and she's been sick through the whole week. She's had uh, ear, nose, and uh, not ear, nose, and throat, hand, foot, and mouth. She's had the ear infection. Uh, I think it was Friday she was diagnosed with pneumonia, and uh, so it just kept getting worse through the week. Um, I was praying for her through this entire week, but something that I failed to do, I'd ask a couple guys to pray for her and my family, but I didn't ask the church. And uh, I'm telling you this today just to, because I know some of you are going through the same things. Um, Saturday morning, whenever we took her back to the doctor, uh, because she was getting an, an antibiotic shot to where it was in three stage and it had to be given through or by a nurse, uh, the doctor had looked at her and he said, she's not getting well. Um, and at that time, I just, I don't know, me and my wife really got, got nervous. I don't know, I, I felt like my chest was uh, about to beat out. My heart was beating real bad, but... He tried to get her to walk. She couldn't walk. Um, she can't really hold her head up, or she couldn't hold her head up yesterday. Um, and she, um, okay, so I just, <laughs> I just got a message from my wife. It says, Ro- <laughs> it says Rowan is healed. We are being discharged now and headed home. <laughs> Amen. What great timing. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So I got something to look forward to when I get home. So now you may get out early because I'm about to leave now. Um, But but let me, so so she's healed now and she's headed home, but I want to give it justice of, of, of not just her being healed. Um, as I told you, she, she hasn't walked all week. She, she can't lift her. She couldn't lift her head up. Um, she'd just been laying around. She slept all the time. And that doctor saw that. And he, so he had, he had told us he's going to admit her to the hospital. We went to the hospital yesterday morning. And at uh, that time, I immediately got the church to start praying uh, for my little girl. Uh, I probably received 300 texts yesterday, just people saying they were praying for her. And I'm thankful for you guys, and I'm thankful for that. Um, but just kind of how this thing unfolded is um, when, when we got to the hospital, we were there for about three hours. And they, um, after these guys had started praying, you had started praying, the healing began. Um, so I told you she was diagnosed with pneumonia. They did a chest x-ray, and they started giving her medicine, treating that. But by the time that we had gotten to the hospital and by 3 o'clock Saturday, yesterday, the Lord had already healed her from her pneumonia. Because I asked the nurse, I said, our, our, our primary doctor uh, stressed out, give her ibuterol, the breathing treatments, and also she needs to take this medicine to heal this because it doesn't need to continue to develop in her lungs. And I asked the nurse that, and the nurse put, checked her chest, and 
She said, there's nothing in there. There's no uh, irregular uh, breathing thing that we see, so we're not going to give her that medicine. I said, well, she needs to take her, her, um, her medicine for her pneumonia, her z pack. Well, we're not going to give that to her if, if she's not showing the symptoms. So in the whole time she was saying this, I was just grinning uh, from, from ear to ear, knowing what had happened. This, this nurse didn't. This nurse, nurse probably thought I was crazy because I was wanting her to give her more medicine. Um, and then this, through this whole process, she began to progress. This morning before I came here, uh, she was eating. She hadn't eaten all week. She'd only drink uh, fluids. She'd eat a little bit. Um, but apparently now she must be walking because they wasn't going to let her go home until she started walking again. And, uh, but some of the things that you guys had done that I want to brag, and then I'm going to go on with the sermon, but just a couple of things. Mike Byer sent out the text of the group of men yesterday and said that him, the farmers, and the Edmonds were praying in the middle of Inman right in the middle of downtown. And, and I told my wife that in a testimony from her. She says, I have no doubt that they're praying right in front of everybody because we're not ashamed to pray here at the well. And we'll stop right where we are and pray in front of, no matter who's looking or who cares, we'll lift each other up. And then I also had a late visit last night from my brother Hop and him. And, and I know he wouldn't have me to tell you this, but I want to tell you. You know, he, he just told me that he loved my family so much. He'd, my family had meant so much to him that him and his wife were in their closet praying for my family. Amen. And guys, I, I am blessed to, to have you in my life and have your, your families praying for mine. And, and as you can see, to God be the glory for that healing uh, for my little girl. Yeah. And I just, I give him the glory for that. So I'm finally going to begin today's uh, sermon. Today we're going to... Uh, Continue. Can you put the, uh, the image up here? So today we're going to continue in the book of Revelation. Um, we're going to begin, and Brandon gives me the good one. He gives me chapter 6. We all know what's in chapter 6. We begin the judgment period. Uh, so so I, I, I get to begin the judgments uh, today. I'm, we're, we're, I'm only going to start them, and then we'll continue on them through the weeks to come. But we'll, we'll be in Revelation chapter 6. But one can only think of, uh, as we get into these judgments and we start seeing some of the things that are going to happen, we can only think that it's only a matter of time, because I don't know how many of you watch the news, but y'all can see a lot of the things that are going on. Uh, just just kind of looking at a couple of things, the hurricane season that we're in, one of the worst hurricane seasons that we've ever been through, uh, the devastation that it's causing uh, in America and in, and in other countries down in the Caribbean or wherever, of, of the devastation that it's leaving. Uh, so we have the hurricanes. We have the earthquakes in Mexico that are killing many. Uh, they're still searching for bodies in Mexico uh, as a result of these earthquakes. Uh, the wildfires. We've always heard of, of wildfires in, in California, but I was listening to the news about three weeks ago, and they had made the statement that they're fighting, or was fighting at the time, one of the largest wildfires that they'd ever fought in the, in the state of California. And you see all this stuff unfold. Uh, North Korea, I, I think I can, it's safe to say now that North Korea is a ticking time bomb. And, and it's, it's, only, it's, it's, it's a matter of time before they snap. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a good thing to snap, but I think all of this is part of the, the end times and the contention between uh, these countries. So today in getting into God's Word, um, a lot of us don't know what the Bible says about the end times and, and what that's going to look like. And, and as we go through the book of Revelation, as we go through uh, this today, I would challenge you and urge you to, to continue in, in Revelation and learn uh, what the Bible says and be more familiar with it 
But not only just, uh, you, you don't only have to get into God's Word and read it, but, but look at commentaries, look at other things that talk about end times, look at the differences that people feel about the end times and, and how far off they are. Um, but I just urge you as we go through this, just continue uh, reading and, and gaining more knowledge of this. Today's sermon is not a, not a lift you up uh, type sermon. It can be, it can be, and it will be in the end. But today's sermon is, is, is to reveal to you that it's not going to end well for all people. It's not going to end well. Because some people, some people are full of wrath and full of sin that they don't want to let go of. And there's, a, there's wrath of God that's coming to them. And that's what today is, is going to reveal uh, to these people or, or to you guys about uh, the wrath of God and, and, uh, that, that has to come over the earth. In chapter 5, we see the Lamb take the scroll... And when he took it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down because they saw that worthy was the lamb that could open these scrolls. And who is the lamb? Jesus. Jesus is the lamb. And, and that was revealed in chapter 5. And in chapter 6, the lamb begins uh, the judgments with the opening of the seven seals. And today we will look at the four seals open, which is referred, as you can see here, uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. No, not the four horsemen of WWE. These are much more dangerous than those WWE uh, four horsemen. Who knows who the four horsemen? Okay. Not a, a lot of the older generation type people. Okay. All right. As a result of the evil in the world we live in and the world full of sin is, is what's going to bring this on, uh, these judgments. And uh, if you do have, have your Bible, turn to um, Revelation chapter 6, and we're going to be reading there uh, starting in verse 8. I mean, I'm sorry, starting in verse 1. And if you could, please just stand as we read uh, God's Word. And now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say, With a voice like thunder, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering to conquer. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, so that the people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature Say, come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given the authority over the fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with famine, with pestilence, and with wild beasts of the earth. You may be seated. Guys, I want to pray before we, uh, before we begin. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, Father, we, we thank you for waking us up this morning and uh, just giving us the ability to, to live, Lord, and how so undeserving we are and how many times we take things for granted. And Father, I just I thank you for your many blessings, Lord. I thank you for the truth that has already been spoken. The, the testimonies uh, here today, Lord, is, is Lord, we're no, we, we know you are moving in this church, Father. And we thank you for that. 
because apart from that, Lord, this church uh, would be dead, Father. And we want you in it. We want you in our lives, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that, that your truth be revealed here today. It's not about what Dustin has to say, but about uh, the truth be told, Lord, from, from you to your people. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the first horse, as we see there in the um, chapter 2, was a white horse. It was the white horse. And you may be thinking, white horse. White horse means purity. If it's a white horse, this rider has to be Jesus. It has to be Jesus on this, this horse. And there's a couple of different views on this, but I'm going to go with the view that this, this, this white horse, this white uh, rider on this white horse is not Jesus. This white horse is, is the Antichrist. And I want to, and, and, and the reason, I'll, I'll explain why I feel that this is a person that is, is against or instead of, is, and anti means against or instead of. Um, but that's exactly what this rider wants you to think. He wants you to think that, that he is coming, this first horse, that he's coming to bring uh, peace, peace to the people. As, as we know, the contention in, in the world today and, and how so many countries are, are in contention with one another, uh, there's going to be someone or this rider will rise up and he will think that, that world peace is here. He will, he will be the master of deception. As we know, is, that's what Satan is. He's the master of deception. So this, this uh, rider on the white horse will, will make you think that, that he is going to bring world peace. This rider has a bow in his hand, but no arrows. He will make you think that maybe if you think of the bow, that he is going to conquer in the way of war. But initially, he's not going to do that. He's going to conquer in the way of peace, which ultimately will, will end up in the way of war and destruction. But that's the way that he's going uh, to rise to power in the way of peace. And I just looked up a, a, you know, some of our past rulers of the world in, in some of these countries. I'm sure some of you are familiar with some of them, of how they came to their power. And I've got a little insert here I just want to read to you guys uh, as a scholar wrote. He says, Give Mussolini absolute power in Italy. He dreams of world power and begins his slaughter in Ethiopia. Give Hitler unchallenged power in Germany, and he sets out to conquer the world. Let little Corporal Napoleon Bonaparte seize power in France, and he aims then at all Europe and bathes the nations in blood. Saddam Hussein was given total power in Iraq, and soon through ethnic cleansing, hundreds of thousands of people died. He ran out of things to do and people to kill, so he invaded Kuwait, where he killed, looted, raped, and pillaged that nation. I could go on forever talking about the inclinations of these rulers uh, who rose to power, but I want to emphasize one thing. You haven't seen anything yet. The Antichrist would eclipse them all and leave them in shame, end quote. So, and I'm sure some of us are familiar with, with some of these rulers, uh, especially uh, Saddam Hussein and some of the things that they had done uh, to these people as they rose to power and they, they overcome these nations. But you see, this scholar here said, no matter how bad we may think that these, these past rulers are, they're nothing in comparison to what's to come. They're nothing in comparison to what uh, the, the rider on the white horse is going to do. So if you, if you think of the devastation that these past world, uh, the rulers in the world did, there are no comparison to what's to come. He will say the, all the right things, and many will follow because he satisfies what they believe. He satisfies what they believe. 
many, many today are standing on what they believe is right and not what's God's word. And I want to I I stop there and talk about that just for a second. And we, a few weeks ago at our men's retreat, we talked about this, about the difference between what you believe and the truth of God's word. Amen. You see, just because you believe something is right doesn't mean it's right. You see, if it's your, your, your belief, if your belief is based off of, of what you've, solely off of what you've heard somebody else say in the past, then it's not, it's not necessarily the truth. Amen. If your belief is based off of what you feel is right, then it's not necessarily the truth. You see, a lot of people today, only their, their, uh, their belief is based off of what they feel or what they heard, and they've never gotten into God's Word and backed it up with what His Word says. But we need to make sure with, with what we believe, and there's a lot of us here today that don't know what we believe. We don't know if, if, if someone comes up to you and asks what you believe, what makes you a Christian, what do you believe as a Christian, a lot of you today wouldn't know what to say. You wouldn't know how to identify your faith. So it's important for us, not only, not only for the white rider when he comes and he's filling the world full of lies that we're able to withstand that, on God's truth, but it's important for us today that we're able to withstand the lies of today because there is lies out there today. And people, so many people today are standing at, just a couple of examples would be, um, you've got people that say that, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't have to go to church. Well, that's true. But, but, Hebrews 10, 25 says that we're to, uh, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but we're to get together and fellowship with one another. Yeah, you don't have to know the Lord. and Just because you don't go to church doesn't mean you know the Lord, but you should want to come to church when you do know the Lord. We should want to be together. We should want to fellowship. That What I experienced yesterday with my family is something special. And if I wasn't a part of a church, I wouldn't have no one to say, hey, can you pray for my daughter? I wouldn't have no one to intercede for my daughter in her sickness. And she may not be healed right now if I didn't have my church family lifting her up. So that is something that we should want to do. And then also you've got people out there that say, a lot of times when we're out evangelizing and we go up and we talk to people and they, you ask them if they know the Lord. Yeah, I know the Lord. Yes, I love the Lord. I lo- really. And the, these, in, these people that we're talking to may be drunk or, or you know, you get to talking to them a little bit. They may be living uh, with a, a, a man or a woman out of marriage or, or they may be committing adultery. But the Bible says, or Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you love me, if you say that you love me, you'll do the things that I ask you to do. So if you don't do the things that God asks you to do, that Christ asks you to do, how can you say that you love Christ? Of course, we're going we're gonna to be guilty and we're going to sin, but that doesn't give us freedom to sin and continue to sin and live in our sin. So just a couple of those things of, of what you believe in, in God's truth uh, can be very so make sure that we know what we believe and we back it up with God's word. So looking at this white horse, you may ask, and uh, well, well, if this isn't Christ, and how how can we know what Christ is going to look like? And turn with me to uh, Revelation chapter 19. I don't think that they they have it to put up here, but I just want to give you uh, while we're on this white horse of of what Christ will look like when He does return. And if you don't, I'm gonna go ahead and read. And if you don't have it, just, just listen up. Revelation 19, verse 11. And it says, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in his righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns. 
and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name on which he is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on, on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe, on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So the, see, that is a perfect description of, of what Christ will look like when he returns. And I kind of just jotted down some of the distinguishers between this first writer and the one we just read, around, read about in Revelation 19. You see, the, the first writer will have an, an athletic or a victor-type crown. Christ will have many crowns. The first rider will have a bow with no arrows. Christ will have a sword. The first rider initiates war. Christ puts an end to war. The first rider initiates tribulation. Christ puts an end to tribulation. You see, he's going to complete. He's going to complete it. Once he does what he needs to do, he will complete it where this first uh, horse, the white horse, initiates these things. So the first horse is the white horse. And looking on down in, in Revelation chapter 6, starting there in verse 3, it says, When I opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, and out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take the peace from the earth so that the people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. So this, rider, this, this uh, red horse will have a sword. This time will bring the end to peace. So you'll see initially we'll have the peace brought on by the white horse. But when the red horse comes, it'll be the end time of the peace. This rider will represent war and oppression, an environment that has devastated many, many lives today, this war-type environment. And I don't know if we've got some of you in here that has been in this type of environment. But I, I let, I, when, I, when I read this and was studying this verse... I looked up and seen how, how much devastation this could cause in the lives of, of people today. And the U.S. Department says that from wars in the past, up to 31% of service men and women can return and suffer from PTSD. Up to 31%. That's one in three that go into a wartime environment can suffer from this syndrome. No matter from, from, from the things that they see, from the th things that they or a part of, maybe the things that they're made to do as, as part of this wartime environment is when they get home, they struggle and, and with these things. And if you ever talk to some of these people, you can see some of the things that, that they're having endured, and it's something that none of us want to be a part of. I know as, as, as Americans, a lot of us may not have experienced that type of, of environment, and I think a lot of times we probably perceive it from uh, what Hollywood puts out on the movies and I know a lot of times, if I like to watch war movies that they had put out, and a lot of times after you get done watching some of those movies, you're pumped up. You want to go and join the, the military or whatever and be a part of what's going on. But you see, their depiction of what a wartime environment is is not the full picture. It doesn't show some of the things of, of what they really do and some of the things that they do or, or have to go through when they get home. 
And I'd also, I just got a, another fact here that I thought was interesting just to kind of, I want to emphasize to you guys how, how bad that this is going to be when this red horse comes in this environment. But I looked up something and I, I wanted to know how many people died in the first two uh, world wars. And I looked at the first one and uh, does anybody think they know how many people died in the first world war? Any guess? You'd probably guess low if you guess. So in the first world war, 10 million people died. 10 million people. I mean, I think of 100,000 people, and it's hard for me to fathom that, of 100,000 people dying, but 10 million people in the first one. What about the second one? Y'all think y'all know about the second one? Yes. 20 million. No, higher. 50 million people died in the second world war. Can you imagine that many people dying? I mean, that's if, and I know this fact because I'm going to share it with you in a minute. The United States has 323 million people in it. So can you imagine 50 million people of those dying? It's hard to fathom of, of what that would be like. But, you know, in seeing what's going on today with terrorism, and, and as we talked a little bit about North Korea, we can only feel like this is in preparation of the Red Horse. It's something we're, we've never experienced before of what this is going to be like. And I, I'll share with you in just a second of, of the initial uh, killings that's going to happen, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. It's, it's, it's way more than, than what we've talked about here now. So looking on down uh, at the uh, chapter 5 or verse 5 of chapter 6, we see the black horse, and it says, When he opened up the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil or the wine. As a result of the war-stricken area, we're going to, leave, we're going to have to live in this time here. It's going to be a time of, of where the economy falls, and <clears throat> the pair of scales can suggest that <clears throat> inflation will be like never before. And the war, <clears throat> the food will be scarce. The food will be scarce. Inflation will be and uh, the food will be scarce. We'll, we'll run out of food and won't be able to find food. And I try to imagine of, of what that would be like. And I, I, I begin to think about um, in the Old Testament of Joseph down in Egypt, and I don't know how many of you have read that story, but if you've not read it I, after day, I, you should go read it. But uh, Joseph, uh, he was able to interpret Pharaoh's uh, dreams. And what that dream that Pharaoh had was, he said, you're going to have seven years of plentiful harvest, and then you're going to have seven years of famine. So what they had to do is they had to uh, grow and, and store up the plentiful harvest for the first seven years, and then the second years they were able to, to use that. And if, if you read there and you see some of the people, the things that he had to do, this was actually how Joseph was able to meet his brothers and the Israelites were, uh, got down to Egypt during this time. But these people began to, uh, they were so desperate that they began to <clears throat> give all their money for the food. When they ran out of money, they began to give their animals for the food. When they ran out of animals, they began to give their, their homes and their land for food. When they ran out of that, they began to give their self as slaves for food. But you can kind of look at that story and see how desperate these people were in this time. And just a couple of, <clears throat> of stories that I've, I've heard of people that have experienced in my lifetime, um, the Great Depression that, that has 
was part of America here and, and hearing some of the, the stories of some of the things that the people had to do. And uh, <clears throat> one story that I can, I can think of was uh, Mallory's grandmother and grandfather and how they had to live in this time. But some of the things that they went through during the time when, when foos and things were scarce still affected them to, 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 till the day they died. And one of the things that kind of stick out in my mind was whenever, I know a lot of times we go to a fast food restaurant, we get a biscuit or we get a hamburger and it comes in a paper. And what do we do? We, we get that hamburger, that biscuit out, we'll ball it up and throw it away, not think nothing about it. But you see, they had lived through this time, and, and what they would do is they would actually keep this paper. They would fold it up, and they would take it back to the house because a couple of things I guess you could use it for. You could wrap old food up or, or food that you wanted to keep. You could wrap another sandwich in it. Or if, if, I guess if times got bad, you could burn it uh, for heat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't really think of that, but yeah, you could use it for toilet paper. But and and I tell you that this be this how this this in, you know impacted them in their life that it never left them till the day that they died. And then I've actually seen people that are going through this. If you've ever been to a country like Haiti or one of the the countries that that don't have a lot, and you go down there and you see this country and you see little kids that this is where you see the you know on TV a lot of times we see the little naked kids and stuff. This is one of those places of just because they don't have clothes or they don't have shoes to wear and they're digging through trash to find something to eat and they're they're so malnourished in their bodies. I mean it's you could fit your whole I could fit my hand around their thigh because they're just so small and just seeing some of those countries that that are actually going through this and. A lot of us here today don't know what it's like. We don't know what it's like to be hungry. And I know there is some here today that do, but a lot of us don't. But during this time of this black horse will be a time of true starvation. True starvation. We, uh, a couple of the men at church this week had a fast, and, you know, we were fasting from someone, but what it really showed me was how weak I am. You know, after I, I started my fast that morning, and then by 10 o'clock, oh, I'm about to starve to death. But what it revealed to me is, Dustin, you're weak. You're weak. You've got people in these other countries that are starving to death, and you miss one meal, and you act like you're about to die. And I, I say that because I think a lot of us probably would be the same way is because if we go one meal, uh, we, we, we think it's the end of the world. And I'm guilty of that as well, but it's, it's, it's where we live. But you see, this will be a time with this black horse that we've never experienced before. And then looking on down in verse 7 of chapter 6, it says, when he opened up the fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over the fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beast of the earth. Some feel that this is the conclusion of the first three horses. So it kind of goes in sequence. You've got the peacetime. Then you've got the wartime. As a result of the wartime, you have the famine begins. And then when, after the famine, uh, you, see the, you start seeing the death, the death in numbers. The rider is followed by Hades. This rider was given power to kill one-fourth of the world's population. Who knows how many people's in the world today? Anybody? Seven billion. Seven billion. Close. Close. So I, I did a little... Uh, I like math, I, so I did a little calculation here. If that rider was to come back today, there's 7.5 billion people in the world today. If that rider was to come back today, he would be given the power to kill 1.9 billion people, roughly. 1.9 billion people. But I took it a step further. 
So I said, well, if he's going to be able to, if this writer's going to be able to kill 1.9 billion, what does that look like in the form of countries? So, of course, I looked to China because we know China has a lot of, uh, a large population. China has a population of 1.4 billion people. So that'll be all of China wiped off the earth. But not only China, but as I told you earlier, the United States has roughly 323 million people. So that would be all of China and all of the United States wiped off the earth. And I hope I'm not as bad as branding my math good on that. But <laughs> I looked at it several times, but you can't imagine of, of two whole countries the size of us. We think we're large, and then the size of, of China will be wiped off by this one horse uh, and the things. And, and, and those deaths will come by sword. They'll come by hunger, and they'll come by beast. And, and we've talked about swords, and we've talked about true starvation from the past horses, but... Beast, beast of the earth, death will come by, by these beasts. And it's not going to be a death that where we just we fall asleep and we'll wake up and we're dead. It's going to be a, a brutal death, as you can see from these three things. And I don't know how many of you have, have ever imagined dying from a, from a beast of the earth, but I can think that it's probably going to be a terrifying, traumatizing thing. And a couple of weeks ago, we were out... Um, trying to get everybody's power back on after the storm. And me and my buddy, we, we scout. We go out and look and see what the problem is, and we go in two, two to a team. And we pulled up to this house, and me and him got out, and we were walking almost to the back of the house, and we saw two gentlemen out there. They were cleaning a pool, and he waved. He said, no, our power's on. We're good. So we said, all right, we'll, uh, we'll clear the ticket and let them know your power's back on. And when my, when my buddy spoke and said, all right, thank you, uh, two dogs started barking. And uh, I was able to make it back to the vehicle. I was a little closer than he was. But he, he, he wasn't able to make it back to the vehicle in time. And actually, one of those dogs actually latched onto his leg and started attacking him. There was nothing I could do. Uh, luckily, within five to ten seconds, the owner was uh, able to get there. But the damage had already been done to his leg. And I, and I tell you that because I can only... <clears throat> I remember looking at that dog as my partner. He's, he, he is panicking and uh, the, that dog's face of, and, his, and his teeth just attacking my, my buddy. And that, I was thinking of this, or thinking of that when I, we were going over this, of what that would truly be like. You see, his owner was able to get him off, but in this time, these beasts are just going to continue on and on and on to the point of death. And it's hard to think about that. And it's not only going to be dogs, but, you know, larger animals, bears, and I mean, you can only use your imagination of, of what it could be. But the pale horse will bring death, and it will bring death of many, many lives by those ways of, of the sword hunger and the beast. So what does all of this mean to us? We went through the, the four horses here, and, and you kind of, and, I, and I, I hope that a lot of you had already known about this, but, but what does that mean for us today? And in looking at the four horsemen, what does that mean? Is there hope for us? And when I was studying this, I was trying to figure out a way um, so I want to, you know, tell them about the judgments of, of Revelation chapter 6, but what, you know, I want to I show them, God, what it, how it really ties to them and, and what they can be doing to prepare for that now. But first I want to tell you, no matter what happens in the end, no matter what all these judgments are and how much power we may think that this first white horse rider has, God is still in control. He's in control. And he's only going to allow this to go as far as he wants it to. And that's the most important thing today for you to remember out of this thing is, 
is even though all of this stuff is happening, God's in control and God will stay in control. God is in control. But we must know that, that these judgments as well are not something that God wants to do. They're something that God has to do because God is a just God. He is a just God, and, and those sins and all the wrath of the world can't go unpunished. He's given the ability for those to come and know the Lord through His Son, Jesus Christ, but not all have came. But those, those have to be, uh, that has to be paid for. And I'm going to finish up with this, this scripture here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm going to read it. And you go ahead and come on up, brother, when you're ready. I'm going to start here in 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 1. And it says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon thee as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in the darkness, brothers. For that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet of hope and salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. So in looking at this scripture today of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, folks, some of us today are, are asleep. We're asleep. And you see, that's exactly where Satan wants us to be. He wants us to be asleep because why? He wants us to wake us up. He wants, us to, he wants to wake us up with these judgments. Some of you here today, y'all may not believe some of the stuff that we've talked about, these four horses some of you may not know much about them. And it's sad to say, but some of you don't even care. Some of you don't care about what's to come because you think that it can't happen to you. You think it's not going to happen to you. But you see, that's, that's what Satan wants you to think. He wants you to think that, no, it's not going to happen to you. Don't worry about that. Continue to live your life. Continue to, when you're here on Sunday, to think about what you're going to do when you get out. Uh, Sunday after worship service. Think about what you're going to do through the week. Think about those things. Don't think about what's to come. Don't think about getting your life back on track. Continue to be consumed with the things of the world. And we had talked about this last week at the men's retreat. But you see, a lot of us, week in and week out, we come to hear the truth. And I think it's safe to say that our Brandon, he brings the truth week in and week out. I can, I can say that for myself. And we come and we hear that truth every week. Not only do we come and hear it, but we may tell others to come and hear it. We may say, hey, we've got a pastor here. Man, he'll bring the word and, and he'll give the truth and, and he'll step on a toe. And, and uh, man, he's awesome. You need to come hear him. 
But folks, let me tell you, just because you come to hear the truth each and every week, and you may even tell others to come and hear the truth, doesn't mean you're doing what you need to be doing. You see, if we go from here today and we go back doing, to, uh, doing the same things that we've done before we got here or we continue to do through the week in our sins, we're not doing what God wants us to do. We need to wake up and live the life that, that God would have us to live. And another thing that we, we were talking about is, is when you get in here, and I think we can all agree, and we felt it here this morning, about being in the presence of God. You know, and I know you all can agree that when you come here on Sunday, you can feel that presence. You can feel something different in your, just something different. There's a different feel in the air. But, and that's exactly what that is. That's being in the presence of the Lord. But folks, what I want to tell you is that doesn't stop here. What you're feeling is you're feeling the presence. If you don't have it inside of you, what you're feeling is your brother or sister that does have it inside of them. You feel that radiating off of them. That's what you feel in this room today. And if you don't have that today, you can have it. Because that same presence of the Lord being with you should go with you throughout the week. It shouldn't stop here. You shouldn't just feel it here. You should feel it when you get in your car and you go home. You should feel it when you're at work through the week. Those ones that are around you in your job or at school should feel it from you and ask you what's different. What am I feeling here? It's about being in the presence. It's about not only knowing the truth or telling others to come and hear the truth, but it's about living the truth. We are asleep spiritually because we can't uh, stop trying to satisfy ourselves through the ways of the world. Some of us just need to wake up. As you can see, looking on down there, some of us need to sober up. And I'm not just talking about from alcohol today, but I'm talking about any pleasure in your life that is keeping you from serving the Lord. You see, God gave us things to enjoy in our life, but He didn't give them to us to enjoy enough to where it's going to keep us from serving Him. No matter what that is, whether it's drunkenness, whether it's another drug, whether it's a, it's a sports team that we watch, whether it's a sports team that we're a part of, whether it's that vacation house that we have somewhere else that's keeping us from serving the Lord. We need to sober up from those things. We need to give God what God is due because worthy is the lamb that was slain for his. He's worthy. He's worthy. So some of us need to, need to sober up. You see, and I, and I told you guys my testimony earlier about my little girl. But if God wouldn't have healed my little girl, if he wouldn't have been able to, to heal her, if she would have had something else wrong with her, and it didn't go the way that, that we had prayed for it to go or the way that I had wanted it to go, still He is worthy. He is still worthy of our worship because what He did promise is that whatever happened, He's going to be there with us. We just got to look to Him. We just got to look to Him. And if we're sober in the ways of the world, we don't have that presence. Or if we're sober or if we're, we're partaking of those pleasures, we don't have that presence of the Lord in us. And then there is some here today that, that are worrying. You are worried about what I, was, I talked about today, and you're, you're feeling nervous. Not only that, but you, you've got other worries in your life right now, some other thing that you may be going through in your life. I, I'll be honest with you. I'll be straightforward. I was worried yesterday. Yesterday morning, I was worried. That's why my chest felt, I felt the tight sensation. And you're worried now. But folks, I, I want to tell you in the last part of that scripture we just read is you can find that rest. There's rest in Jesus Christ. 
If you know him today and you're not and you're not enjoying or you're not experiencing that rest, then you need to. You need to. Because as soon as I told you yesterday, as I started reaching out to my brothers and people started praying, I felt that presence over me. And I felt that assurance that God's got this. And whether it turned out the way I wanted to or whether it didn't, he's going to get the glory. He is going to get the glory. And then there's some today, as our brother said earlier, some of you today are here, you're just spinning your wheels. You're spinning your wheels because you don't know the Lord. And there's rest for you as well. There's rest for you in the Lord, and He wants you to come so that you don't have to uh, go through these things. You may have to go through them, but they're not meant for you because they're, they're God's wrath He's releasing on the world. Stand as I pray and pray for you. And I, I, I just want to ask, if you guys are going through something today, if, if you're experiencing something like me and my family's been experiencing, I know you are. I know I've heard from some of you this past week is, as one of our elders said, that the church is under attack because so many people are going through so many things now. Guys, don't go through it alone. Reach out the way I reached out and let your brothers and sisters lift you up. Let us pray. Our Father God, we just, uh, Father, we come to you now, Lord, with thankful hearts. And Father, we thank you for your truth and what it says, Lord, you're preparing us. But so many don't want to be prepared, Father. And Father, I just pray now that they would Lord, I pray that they would have that desire to, to live for you and grow with you, Father, for, for what's to come. But not only what's to come, but what, also what's here now, whatever they've been going through, Father, there's rest in you. There's also wrath for those not found in you. But, Father, we're, we're looking to that rest now. And I pray that there's someone here that doesn't have it now, Lord. I pray that they would get it. Because, Father, there is nothing like never before that presence that not only we have here on Sunday morning, but Father, we have and we take through the entire week, Lord, that we overflow, we radiate to others that are around us, that they come and ask us, what do you have? I need that. Father, help us to be that light. Help us to stop spinning our wheels, Lord, because you've, you've, you've got something, as our brother said earlier, there's something we're all called to do. The question is, have we stepped up in our calling or are we just spinning our wheels? Father, we just love you. We thank you and praise you for all that you do and all that you're going to do and how you sustain us. And Lord God, your grace is sufficient. And in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.